everybody. Welcome to another episode of Piloting Church, the show here from the Center for Progressive Renewal, where we talk about all sorts of things, but really about helping your church, your congregation take flight. Oh, look, that's on the book right here. I'm Reverend Jim Keat, the Director of Online Learning, and this other person you see, Cameron, tell them who you are. Hello, I'm Cameron Trimble, and I am the CEO of the Center for Progressive Renewal. She like is in charge of the whole thing, and then she agrees to come and talk with me on the internet like this. So we're going to talk about her book. Sound good, Cameron? Sounds awesome. Okay, you wrote this book, and it's great. If everyone watching has not yet bought their copy, you should just take this moment to go do that and then come back and finish the video. But we're going to talk about, in this conversation, one specific thing you wrote in chapter one. So chapter one is, is called Decide You Want to Fly. Oh, when did you decide you wanted to fly planes? You're a pilot. If you didn't know that, Internet World, Cameron's a pilot. When did you decide? <laughs> That's right. Yes. So first, I should just acknowledge that I actually did pay you to, t to say that this book is good, right? I mean, not really, but that was funny that we're like... <laughs> no. You say, we're going to talk about this book because it really stinks, right? <laughs> so yes. Okay, so back to your question. I am a pilot and I'm a pastor, which is why I wanted to write this book, which was a, it was a really fun... Um, it was a really fun personal project for me because, I mean, I talk about church all the time, but I don't get to talk about aviation a lot. And so I brought those two together because I actually really just want to talk about flying. So I started flying um, uh, actually as a baby. What? My, my is there like uncle, an age requirement for this? Well, there is, yes. <laughs> but um, when you're co-pilot, you know, all bets are off. Oh, so oh. My, my uncle was a World War II fighter pilot. And Whoa. when he got out of the service, he bought this little single engine um, Beechcraft Bonanza plane. And that's the plane that I grew up flying in. So from the time, like literally in a car seat, I was in airplane. And so I, um, that's always been a part of my life and a big part of my, uh, my, it's what has sort of shaped my imagination around leadership. And it's just been part of like where I go to feel alive is in, in an airplane. Yeah. So it's when you preach sermons, do you always include an airplane story or analogy of some sort? Um, I I often do, and <laughs> it, usually it was like joke on joke on them because nobody really knew this whole part of my history, and now I'm you know kind yeah. of owning it. Somebody wrote the book on it, so yeah, exactly. Like, well, the photo, so the photo I, on the back is like you in a cockpit. Yeah, but you got the endorser copy, so like the other copy is like big. Oh. Oh, I'm missing yeah. out. No. And I mean, honestly, look at the coolness factor there. Like, That's, right? Yeah. Look at the glasses. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> so this book is fantastic. It really is. I'm not just paid to say that. I actually read it and loved it and enjoyed it. And I now kind of want to learn to fly planes, but I'll yeah. just stick to flying churches. That's that was a part of thing. my motive for writing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, there's so much in here, but on page six, you have this acronym that you say is, um, it's used to frame critical pilot decisions. Um, it's the, an acronym, the word DECIDE, D-E-C-I-D-E. -E. Uh, now, you obviously pivot this flight acronym into the world of church, and we'll very quickly do that in our conversation. But walk us through, what does this acronym DECIDE stand for? Why do you use it in the world of flying planes? Yeah. And how might we use it in the world of taking flight with our churches? So, um, uh, in so many of our industries, but aviation certainly, it is just flush with acronyms. Like, 
I mean, there's an acronym for everything. I feel that way about church too. And my, um, my sort of personal feeling about that is every time an acronym is created, the world becomes a darker place. (laughs) Oh my God. So many acronyms, right? But in aviation, they are slightly handy. Whereas just in church world, they're just confusing. Cheesy. Yeah. yeah, In aviation, they could actually save your life. So um, uh, the, the acronym that's, is that's not, like how you know if it's a good acronym or not. <laughs> Will this true. acronym save my life? No. Okay, we don't need it. Yes, <laughs> we need exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, is it just talking about some renamed team? That, <laughs> oh gosh, or the combination of four teams, and we couldn't drop any of the words. <laughs> I digress. So in um, in aviation, the uh, constantly when you're in the cockpit, you're you're always needing to be what we say we we coach people to be ahead of the airplane. You always want to be ahead of the plane. Okay. So you're, you're constantly thinking, okay, what is next? What's the next thing I need to do? What's the thing I need to anticipate? Like what's the next part of my flight? Um, what's the next radio call I need to make, et cetera. So part of the acronym for decide is helping you walk through that. So, you know, it's detect the next necessary action. E is estimate the significance of the action. C is choose the desirable outcome. Um, and we can go through and through, you know, but here's, the reason that that mattered that I put it in chapter one is because when we're working with leaders in congregations um, or we're, we're working with leaders period in uh, in any sector in our culture, there's a decision point that every one of us has to reach mm-hmm. where we decide to lead. And by that, I mean, we decide to own the unique contribution yeah. that only we can make. Um, so, when we decide to offer that to the world, there's a certain kind of vulnerability in that and a certain kind of, you know, um, visionary element to it. So when we say, you know, stay ahead of the plane, in a sense, it's like stay, stay ahead of your contribution, stay ahead of your movement, yeah. if you will, stay ahead of the, of the work so that the contributions you're making advance the work, right? You're moving. It's a forward momentum yeah. kind of thing. Oh. So I had a coach one time. Um, it, this is such a pivotal experience for me because I, I was really, really young. I was uh, working in a new church start. I um, was really insecure and was on a team of like everyone else was smarter than me. Everyone else was all the things better than me. Right. And so I walk into this meeting and I'm a pastor and I am supposed to be leading this conversation. Um, And I get in there and I just completely choke. Like I am Mm. a total hot mess. I, I, I flower back. Like I, I self-sabotage in the sense that I didn't step up in the yeah. conversation. I didn't lead. Right. And so I had a coach that I worked with. He was a former IBM executive and just a really um, incredible gift to me. And he happened to be with me during that meeting, shadowing me. And so when we got out to the parking lot, he said, he like, he physically turned me around to face him and he was t- way taller than I am. So he's like, you know, looming, looming over me here and looking down at me. And he's, he puts his, both hands on my shoulders and he says, Cameron, do you know what a giraffe is? Uh, is a horse formed by a committee. And in that <laughs> meeting, you just created a giraffe. Like you just made a mess. And, and, and he said, you know, you're going to need to clean that up, which of course I already knew. And, and I did, it was fine. Um, but then he said, um, I want you to hear me very carefully. He said, everyone gets somewhere in life, Cameron but the rare person gets somewhere on purpose. Yeah. Ooh. So that changed me at that moment because um, 
I realized that every one of our congregations will get somewhere, right? Like it's going to, yep. it's going to go somewhere, right? Um, every one of our lives as individuals, we will spend our time in some way, mm-hmm. but the, the art form of leadership is spending that time, investing our energy, um, investing our talent uh, on purpose yeah. with a particular destination in mind or a particular set of commitments in mind that we want to embody through our leadership. So many people are like waiting to succeed on accident. Like they're just, whether it's in their personal life or in their professional life, they're just like, maybe I'll just get lucky and maybe you will. But most of the time it takes that intentional planning, that design, that decision to like, no, I'm going to do this with some, some foresight maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I actually learned a great deal from studying the work of um, a woman named Virginia Satir, who was a, psychotherapist worked in the uh, was one of the originators of uh, thinking in family systems uh, and family therapy. But what, what her work really helped me to understand is that uh, it's not so much about like guessing the best outcome or being able to predict anything. It's actually having a deep sense of your own self-esteem. Yeah. Being really deeply grounded in who you are what you're committed to mm. and what you are uniquely called to do. Yeah, There's yeah. an intuition about it. Um, uh, and, and I think we've actually done a really brilliant job in our culture of suppressing uh, that, <laughs> that deep intuition. Which is now yeah. I think the critical leadership skill, and I would say the critical leadership skill that has to emerge in effective yeah. leaders as today and moving forward um, in particular, because we're charting uh, uh, uncharted territory at this point like we are pioneers of a new age Um, we're not survivors right we're pioneering a new age of church of community of um government of for better or for worse um (laughs) of education of you know every industry in our culture is under massive uh disruption uh there are no templates for that right so how how do we then kind of help someone not just lean back into the way things used to be. Cause I feel like that's our default. We, we yeah. think, well, this is uncertain. This is unknown. It's been disrupted. It can't be the way it was. I'll just kind of rely on what I'm used to, even though I know that's probably not the best choice, but it's, it feels safe because it's comfortable. Uh, but we all know it's actually quite not necessarily the best choice. Right. So um, I have a few things, a few thoughts that occur to me about that. Um, uh, again, it's going back to that developing a sense of self-esteem that um, you are enough, hmm. that um, uh, your gut instincts uh, are legitimate and trustworthy. Um, and, and I find that leaders in our, in our congregations today, but again, I work in a lot of different industries, um, we, we've been trained actually to second guess ourselves hmm. when actually our um, oftentimes our bodies, uh, if we're, if we're able-bodied and that's a, 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 a dependable way of tuning into our intuitions, uh, our bodies will tell us, um, but we've been trained to suppress that even, even separate that out. Hmm. So there's that, that sense of, um, a deep, deep knowing, and I don't know if I'm putting great language to this, but a deep knowing that our, our way of contributing, um, is unique to us and unique to the world and is an essential contribution for the world to be whole, yeah, right? Yeah. 
So, so to hold back actually is to rob the rest of us of your gifts, which we really need. Yeah. And that's, that's the leadership, but there's a level of courage that's required um, to do that. And um, and Brene's Brene Brown's work on this is really better than anybody else uh, that we could reference at this point. (laughs) It's a, um, a reference a lot of us would know, but um, that, that relationship between courage and vulnerability uh, and being able to stand in the space between the, um, the courage to put, put yourself or your vision or your, um, your dream of how the world could be out into the world and then be vulnerable enough um, to, to stand up to protect it, to um, uh, illustrate it, to embody it, to live it out in a way that doesn't, um, because of the forces of critique that are inevitable to come, doesn't allow it to be compromised. Because I think that's actually what I also see in all of us, including myself, is that we have these momentary moments of boldness and then critique comes and then we end up compromising the things we know we stand for, right? Or we, we diminish them. They become faded copies of what we could really offer. So that's the, um, I, I think that's the, the the challenge that yeah. no institutions train us for right none of our mm-hmm. formal education ever taught us how to um you know lead <laughs> in a way that's deeply intuitive lead in a way that's collaborative lead in a way that's based in courage well well even the title of that first chapter it's decide you want to fly not decide to fly there's that right. sense of self-awareness who is the person that is making this decision like it is very contextual and personal that's you right. start the book by saying, all right, these are ideas, but it's not one size fits all. This is what is your, you know, wild and precious life and how will you choose to live it in yeah. this thing that we're called to do? That's right. And one of the stories that I tell in the, the chapter is of uh, Kelly, Carrie Lorenz, who is a, um, or was a U.S. Navy uh, fighter pilot. She was the first female fighter pilot of the F-14 Tomcat. Um, and she tells this great story of, you know, when, particularly as a, a woman in aviation, you don't have a lot of role models, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's sort of a, a weird thing for a person who doesn't have other people who look like them to decide they want to do the thing that nobody that looks like them is doing, right? Are we talking um, about aviation or the church? I can't remember. I know. It's, yeah, it's weird how these things uh, bleed over into each other. But, um, but she tells this, this great story about her experience kind of um, continuing to push the system and her just sort of relentless commitment to her love for aviation and then um, her respect for the system, but her respect being translated into a, a lack of accepting the limitations it was trying to impose on her. Okay. So she just kept kept pushing until she got the opportunity to, to be the first female pilot uh, of the, the F-14. But But one of the encounters that she talks about was when she was, uh, uh, talking with somebody else and um, uh, they were saying one of the key leadership qualities of effective leaders is to think, well, why not me? Like, mm. why not me? Why can't I be the first female pilot of the F-14? Or why can't yeah. I um, reimagine what the church is in the future? Or why can't I um, radically change the co- the quality of living for in a positive way for people Absolutely. in my community? Why can't I birth a movement? Why can't I, you know, write the book? Why can't I whatever? And so 
that uh, uh, posture in life um, actually changes everything. I mean, if you like, I mean, just, just say it out loud to yourself. Like, why can't I do that? Like your, your, your shoulders straighten back, right? Your straighten, like you've got broader. I I do anyway, maybe I'm a weirdo, but (laughs) like, I mean, why can't I, right? Why not? Why not? Right. Come on in that chant it with us. Why can't I? Political party. And why not? Why not you? Right. Like why not us? Why not any of us live the, the biggest and boldest story we can possibly come up with that, that is um, aligned with the truest sense of who we are as humans. Yeah. As individuals with our deepest Mm -hmm. values of what we want to, to offer to the world. I mean, why can't we? Well, and, wait, and that's just chapter one? That is, Whoa. Chapter one. <laughs> yes, I know. So Cameron, I, I feel like we could just keep going on like chapters two through, you know, forever. But uh, let's just save that for the next next episode. All right. That sounds great. So, uh, Cameron, if people want to lean into this, you know, phenomenal invitation of why can't I, and they want to do some of that with us at Center for Progressive Renewal at Convergence, what would you recommend a step into our systems that we play with would be a way for someone to kind of engage these resources for their work and their life? Well, um, because the because the needs are so diverse and all of our needs are, I think like phone us up, like give us a call, <laughs> shoot us an email. Like, <clears throat> cause our motto is you can always have your way if you have enough ways, yeah. you know? So, um, uh, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whether you need personal coaching, whether you're looking for colleagues and you want to um, learn together in a cohort environment. Um, I mean, we have this amazing program called the Convergence Leadership uh, Project that is, uh, I think it, I, I talk about it as like the membership class for the progressive faith movement. Like mm. it's a really powerful experience that I really encourage congregations and leaders to, to get involved with lay clergy. It does It doesn't matter. Um, we've got consulting for churches. We've got online courses. Like we've got a ton of things. So many things, actually. It's a little overwhelming. So, you know, let's just have a conversation. Call us or go to progressiverenewal.org and um, connect with us there. I love it. So go there, do all the things, and then come back, you know, for the next episode where we're going to talk about chapter two of Piloting Church by Reverend Cameron Trimble. Oh, look at her right there. All right, everybody. Enjoy your life. We'll see you on the internet.